and talk a little bit. Anna gave me, told me 15 minutes. Okay, so I'm gonna try my best. But I'm um, going to read from Psalm 16. If you wanna turn there or something. Psalm 16, we're reading from the English Standard Version. It says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out, or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel, and then I'd also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is actually the first text that Barbara studied with the PRC Young Adults Community Group. Um, That's true. <laughs> You can make any comments whenever you want. <laughs> I remember that night, it was Anna Diaz, Barbara, Daniel Leon, and me at the Sergio's on Coral Way. And we were seated at the table against the back wall. I even asked Barbara if she would pray for us in Portuguese. You remember that? <laughs> Which she obliged to do after we prayed in English. After we read through Psalm 16, Barbara told us, guys, this psalm is actually my favorite verse. And I replied, like, like ever, like as in the whole Bible. And she said, without hesitation, yes. And she turned to her Bible, which was already open to Psalm 16. And she pointed to the specific verse. She turned it to me. And uh, I could see, you, you could probably guess which verse it is. Anyone want to try to give it a guess? Which verse? Okay. Pledges forevermore. Verse 11, right. Yeah. <laughs> so needless to say, when, when Anna asked me to prepare something for tonight... Um, she asked me to prepare something based on Psalm 16. So I feel a warranted pressure and responsibility to do this verse justice. I'm not just speaking to make Barbara feel better <laughs> or to make this a Christian version of a going away party. Rather, I believe Barbara picked a really good verse to call it her favorite verse. And uh, I want to show you why I think it is a great pick. So because we only have so much time tonight, let's just focus on verse 11. If you want to hear a full sermon on this, I'm pretty sure Pastor Jose was the one who preached Psalm 16, which we studied in community group. And uh, I also have preached on this earlier uh, this school year. It's on YouTube and whatever. Okay, so anyway, let's look at <laughs> verse 11. <laughs> that was not intended to be a joke. So let's look at, okay, so let's look at verse 11. It reads, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Okay, so the things that come after that semicolon there, 
you can uh, you can look at John Piper's ministry and he has plenty on that on that stuff. So what I want to focus on is the very first clause. You make known to me the path of life. I'll explain why I chose that focus in a second. So first, let's ask the basic question before reading. You should ask before reading anything. Who wrote this? So if you look at the heading above verse 1, it reads, Of David. So the present tense of this psalm and the personal pronouns where it says me or my or I are David talking. King David, the king of Israel. So imagine... King David writing these words as the king of Israel. He's saying, I don't know what the path forward is for my daily activities, for my long-term decisions, for my armies, for my country, for anything and all my royal responsibilities, short-term or long-term. Without you, I have no clue what the path forward is. You make known to me the path of life. That's the king of Israel confessing absolute dependence on God for anything and everything, short-term, long-term, in his life, for his decisions. That leads to my next natural question in reading. Since David is the one who wrote this, we know that, who is he talking to? And he starts verse 11 by saying, you. So who's the you? Once again, let's go to the beginning of the psalm. Verse 1 reads, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to Yahweh, you are my Adonai. So certainly, David knew this psalm would be read publicly um, to benefit the people of Israel, but the author wants his readers to read it in a way that David is talking to God. So therefore, we can conclude David is talking to God throughout Psalm 16. We've got the author and the audience, which is to say the king of Israel is talking to the king of the universe. The king of Israel is saying only you can show me the path forward. To use another analogy, if I'm Moses leading the Israelites in the wilderness, then you, God, pillar of fire, show me the way through the night. You are the one I see face to face on Mount Sinai. If you don't set the sky ablaze with your pillar of fire, it'll be pitch black. If you don't meet me on the mountain, I won't have anything to say to the people at the foot of the mountain. So how does this relate to us tonight? Because none of us are physically walking in the wilderness at the moment, at least. None of us are physically standing on Mount Sinai, waiting for the Ten Commandments to be put in our hands. So how does this relate? Neither are we the king of Israel. So how does this relate to us gathered here tonight? So the reason why I chose this for Barbara and for all of our sake is because I remember many table talk conversations with Barbara in which she shared her struggle about her studies, her job, and her path forward, her path of life. So in essence, she was striving to know the path forward, asking questions, do I stay in Miami? Do I go back to Brazil? Do I even wanna be studying law? And those were several questions and conversations along those lines. So hopefully I can give a clear answer this time, because if not, then this is my last chance. (laughs) Perhaps, (laughs) (laughs) so so perhaps many of you guys remember those conversations. so this, this is the reason why I wanted to zoom in on this part of the verse. You, sh- you make known to me the path of life. And these are good, important questions. And these are, these are the kind of questions to ask at every stage of life. Part of being a Christian with a desire of living a life worthy of the gospel involves a regular self-examination with questions like these. So for all of us here, we can ask ourselves these questions. Oh God, my King, 
O Yahweh, my Adonai, what is the path forward? Some of you might think, oh no, I'm not asking that. I have my path planned out. <laughs> Are you sure? Because God could collapse the universe right now if he said a word. What would any of us have to say about it? Nothing. Look at James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go and do such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So James says we shouldn't even assume our, that our plans for today will succeed. Um, much, uh, much more uh, tomorrow or a month or a year or after four years of college or whatever. So if you've ever wondered why some Christians always say the little caveat, Lord willing, uh, this is why. This, this is why. And I think that's a great habit. It's not a, it's not a Jesus juke. It's not a hyper-spiritual. This is a command from the book of James. Say it like this. If the Lord wills or Lord willing. So something tells me, though, that a lot of you guys already understood that. Um, and I know a lot of you guys already understand that. At least, and at least on an intellectual basis that that's the way the Bible works. You at least affirm that very first part of the verse even on an intellectual level. So some of you might be saying to yourselves, well, obviously God is the one who reveals it. My issue is that I just want him to re reveal it right now. <laughs> this shows us where the dividing line really is. The dividing line is not whether God is the person that does the revealing or not. The Bible is very clear about that. The question that a lot of people have and the frustration for a lot of people is how and when will God reveal it to me? In that case, let me give you the short answer first and then give you the explanation. <coughs> God does not reveal anything explicit about his will for anything in the universe apart from or in disagreement with the Bible. How do you know God's will for your life? Read the Bible. That's the short answer. That answer might offend some of you or frustrate some of you. I know it's frustrated me at times. Or maybe the way I said it does not seem quite right. And some of you might respond by looking for verses in the Bible to to disagree with what I said, but I hope you realize if you're searching the Bible to discredit what I say, you actually end up proving the basic point of my argument, which is to say the only explicit, definitive, authoritative answers for life come from the Bible. So every single detail of our lives should be run through that filter. What does God say? In prayer, we can phrase it like this. God, show your will, show your will that for my life. But... Don't think we should expect a vision later that night with the next 30 years of future events downloaded in your mind. Shout out to Dr. Strange, right? I'm not saying God can't do it that way. I'm saying he usually doesn't do it that way. Psalm 139, verse 110. Look, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is, some, this is written literally by someone uh, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. David had visions. And he was also counseled by other prophets who had visions. David literally wrote parts of the Bible. And even he is saying God's word is the authoritative standard for his life. So we shouldn't ask what, what can God do. We shouldn't ask what can God do more often than we ask what has God already done. What has he promised that he will do. What is consistent with God's character. The authoritative and sufficient answer to those last two questions can only be found in his word. Therefore... 
Do not let anyone, especially yourself, tell you that God does not have anything to say about your next life decision, no matter how small or big it is. Your word is a lamp to my feet, which in other words is saying every single step of the way. At best, he's talking about a big torch. At worst, he's talking about a little candle. Your word is a light to my path, which in other words means the journey in its entirety is revealed by his word. So that is in part what David means when he writes, you make known to me the path of life. The point is, whatever unit of measurement you want to use for the path of life, um, God is the only one doing all of the revealing. So in my experience, here's some of the most popular areas in which people like to wave their little flag of mystery. What, what major should I pursue in college? It's a mystery. Should I take this job? It's a mystery. Who should I date and eventually marry? It's a mystery. Some people wave that flag because they honestly, they're being honest. They don't know the answer and they want to know the answer. And they want to seek God for the answer. Other people wave the flag actually as a cover-up, as an excuse for I'm free to just choose something that I know is against God's word and I know is against the counsel of the Christian people in my life. So what I'm trying to say is there's a balance to this. So here is a practical way of demonstrating this balance. The Bible does tell you the kind of person you should marry, but the Bible does not tell you the full name and the current GPS location of the person you should marry. Okay, so that's kind of a, a crude way of saying what I mean. You have principles and revealed concepts and character of God, but you don't have, like for example, the Bible also doesn't say anything about Halloween. That word is not in the Bible. But do we have principles to respond to that? Yeah. So we can talk about that after if you want. God is not playing games with us. He's not trying to troll us with mystery and doubt and confusion. He tells us these things for our joy. He tells us these things to show us the path to life eternal. Jesus says to his disciples in John 15, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. So let me encourage you, Barbara, and all of us today at every stage of life to seek God's will for the path of life in his word. This command is rooted in the very character of God. He is Yahweh, the God of Israel, who spoke to the fathers of Israel long ago at many times and in many ways. And in these last days, the word became flesh. Jesus of Nazareth, Yahweh in the flesh, and he has chosen to speak to us by his son. This is the kind of God that he is. He is a revealer, a light to those in darkness, a condescender, that is, one who steps down to speak to us in terms we understand, comes to our level. The God who makes things known to us at many times and in many ways. It takes time. It takes meditation. It takes faith. It takes confidence in God himself. Look at what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So that should be the mentality of every single person in this room. Remember, though, as I just said, it takes time. Thinking about it is hard work. Making decisions is difficult. It takes a lot of time. It takes counsel from others Ultimately, the point is, it is up to God to decide how and when he gives us understanding in anything and everything. Therefore, 
Let us pray tonight this way. God, what is your will for us in response to your word tonight and for our lives? Our obedient response should be what Peter commands in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. Here it is. Our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do with the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.